Join Dennis Seagrave for Den at Ten. Hello again. Well, it's the day after England beat Ukraine 4-0 in the European Championships. What a joy to sit and watch a game of football that England were playing without sitting there with the tension of are we going to survive? Can we hang on? We're a goal up. Can we just hang on till the end of the game? No tension last night. Scored early on. Scored early on in the second half. And from then on it just got better. We could relax and enjoy watching them. Good to do. Then at the end they started reminiscing about the past. And I started feeling old. The same thing happened a few years ago. It was the Queen's 60th Jubilee. Then it was her 65th Jubilee and they were saying she was the longest reigning monarch and how long she'd been on the throne. And I'm thinking, there was a king on the throne when I was born. Stop telling me how old I am. And the same thing happened last night. Well, during this week after we'd beaten Germany as well. They kept telling us it was 55 years since we last beat Germany in a knockout tournament. It was 55 years since we last got to a international competition final. I'm thinking, stop telling me how old I am. Because certainly the final of 55 years ago I remember very well. 1966, the World Cup. We'd really been waiting for it. For a long while. I was a regular at Villa Park at the time and we had a brand new stand built on one side just for the World Cup. Exciting times, the anticipation was unbelievable. World Cup Willie, the mascot, could be seen everywhere. Lonnie Donegan had a hit record with the song of World Cup Willie. It was all well anticipated and I was sitting there thinking I'm going to be on holiday for the second two weeks of it or the last two weeks of it, should I say. Still, we got round to it and we got the opening matches, the non-knockout round. I know England kicked off the competition, a nil-nil draw against Uruguay. Boring and frustrating and everybody there was thinking back to Alf Ramsey's brag that when he took over as manager he said England can win the World Cup in 1966. I remember we sat and watched the first match and everybody the next day was saying, Phew, England win the World Cup. Last night was disgusting, that was terrible last night, we don't stand a chance. I suppose things progressed slightly but... As the matches went on, we learnt new things. The North Koreans came and surprised us all with the way they play football. A man called Eusebio appeared with Portugal. What a shot that fellow had got. Brilliant. But I think the most anticipated thing was a young Brazilian, Edson Arantes dos Nascimento known to the world as Pelé. He played in the 58 World Cup as a young teenager, scored a couple of goals. 
played in the 62 World Cup when Brazil won again. Twice winners of the World Cup, they came to England with great expectations. Everybody wanted to see Pelé play. Unfortunately, the teams he played against didn't and they kicked him out of the game. All the matches he managed to play in, he was brutally attacked, kicked, fouled. And I remember one match where he went off for treatment and came back on heavily strapped, limping but still trying to play the game out and do the best he could for his country. A real shame. To be fair, the weather was against the Brazilians. They were a, a team from a hot country playing on hard pitches. England wasn't the sort of weather and the sort of conditions they liked. We had the joy of seeing the man come and play in England. In my book, he was the best player I've ever seen. And I mean, I've seen. I have seen him. I've been in the stadium and he's been playing. And I was mightily impressed. I've seen a lot of the others. I've seen Johan Cruyff, Beckenbauer, one or two others of the so-called greats. But Pele stands out in my memory. A brilliant player. Hey, so the, the different matches went on. Eusebio proved himself. I think North Korea were, were winning against Portugal at one stage and then he came into his own and scored some brilliant goals. Even in slow motion, the one shot he had was just a blur as it flashed through and into the net. Entertaining football. Some of it was really good to see. One or two new heroes appeared. But so it went on. And then, as I say, for the last two weeks, we were on holiday up in Blackpool. A big old house opposite the old police station being converted into flats. In those days, you didn't get a, a television in your individual room, but there was always a, a lounge with a television in where you could go and watch. There was no problem deciding which channel was on those nights when I was there. It was always the football. I didn't watch all the games because we were on holiday. I wanted to do other things. But I made sure I was in the, the TV lounge for the England matches. I remember the, the semi-final, probably best of all, against Portugal. We won that 1-2-1. One, one. And I think the thing that stood out on that was the way that the late great Nobby Styles handled Eusebio. Made sure he wasn't going to menace our defence. Funnily enough, two years later, he did the same thing for Manchester United when they played Benfica in the final of the European Cup. Nobby Styles was the man they put to guard against Eusebio doing anything, and he did it again. And so to the final. It's the day we're travelling home from Blackpool, Dad. Yeah. What time's the kick-off, so I told him. 
Now, my dad was a railway man. Worked on the railway for the best part of 40 years, I think, by the time he'd done. So he knew about the trains and the, how to sort out the trains that we needed, the timetables, where the connections were, what we got to do. And bless him, he'd worked it out that we could be home in time to settle down and watch the match. And I'll always be grateful to him. He wasn't a tremendous fan of football, but he watched it and he liked his football, liked his cricket. And he made sure we were back to watch the final. Something that I'll never forget. We won. And yes, it's 55 years since we beat Germany in a knockout competition. And it's 55 years since we were in a final. But please, television pundits, television commentators, please don't keep reminding me it is 55 years ago. Because I was a teenager in those days. I remember it well. 1966 was also around the era where what became known as the beaching plan came into action on the railways. This expert from ICI had been appointed by the British Railways Board to try and investigate unproductive railway lines to try to make British Railways pay its way. He came on and he did some surveys and I must say in later years I worked with a guy that um, did some of the survey work and unfortunately what Beeching did was put a plan forward where he sent people out to study what was happening on a railway and on different railway lines but he only sent them out for one particular week. So everything about the future of that line was based on what these people recorded during that week. So if it was a bad week for that particular station or that particular line, it went on his list. And ultimately when the report came through, miles and miles of track where it became disused and hundreds of stations no longer existed. Now it was strange and I know a lot of railway people because my dad was a railway man I knew a lot of people who worked on the railways and they said how strange it was when the closures came They'd put notices up and said when the last train would be and the enthusiasts all congregated to take the last ride on that particular run. But they all said the same thing, that on the one day everything was working as normal. They got the same trains as normal. The same shunting was going on, the same deliveries were coming into the station and other goods were being taken out. The next day they were closed and that was it. No more trains, no more deliveries, no more passengers. Just gone overnight. 
and I watched this myself. As I've said before, we lived in a, a cottage that was originally owned by the railways, next door to the railway goods yard and then the station just beyond. And that was it, where they'd been bringing coal and grain and fertiliser for the local farms and taking produce from the farms out on the railways, it just stopped and everything was just left vacant. No trains in, no trains out. No porters to greet you at the station. It was quite eerie that that was it. Ultimately, the station was bulldozed, knocked down and cleared away. No sign of it now. All there is is the old level crossing and the signal box. The actual line is still used as a goodless line, but the passenger service is now long gone. And this happens all over the country. Some of the buildings, luckily, were taken over as private houses or used for other things like warehousing or industrial units, different people moved in and set up businesses in them. Others are now part of national footpaths. Locally to us is the High Peak Trail. Cromford and High Peak railway line, or the old railway line from Ashbourne to Buxton going through Parsley Hay. Some of the old railway buildings are still there. Some are used as a bit of a cafe or a bit of a rest stop for people walking or cycling. It's good to see a man like myself that's interested in industrial architecture. It's great to be able to go for a walk through the countryside and find an old railway bridge or a viaduct or some old buildings and just imagine what it must have been like when it was a thriving place. People milling around, doing jobs, passengers on the platform. I grew up with that and I loved it. Steam, yes, is a fascination and I suppose the end of steam nearly coincided with the beaching report. As stations disappeared, so did steam railways. Just talking now, I can get very nostalgic about some of the sights that I've seen and some of the things that were talked about. When I was up there with the caravan, Elaine and myself went across to have a look at the famous Ribblehead viaduct. Managed to get up onto the bit of a station at the side of it there and have a look. And as we came back down and went to the car, there was a a train went over, big diesel engine pulling trucks. It made me wonder what it must have looked like with a, a big freight steam engine rolling along, puffing out smoke and steam as it went along. There's something about steam that still lingers still seems more exciting to see a, a steam engine, more of a living, breathing monster 
They're neither electric or diesel. They just roll along. The actual engines themselves don't have moving parts, as you can see. You can't see what's doing all the driving, what's doing all the power. It is until uh, somebody starts talking about how long, it, how long ago it was since certain things happened as these sort of memories come back into your mind. They're never forgotten as memories. They just lie dormant until something kicks in that brings them to the front. I was only thinking after I'd gone through all these thoughts I've just mentioned of 40, 55 years ago. I saw the DVD that somebody sent me with a, a scout band reunion of some years ago now, where we all got together and had some, had some fun. Somebody got the instruments out and we had a bit of a, a reminisce and a replay and tried to do some of the old music we used to play. Well, we called it music anyway. I don't know what the public thought. We enjoyed it. But looking at the DVD, some of them there are no longer with us. Sadly, some of the, the young lads as were part of the band are no longer with us. Never mind the, the leaders and the parents of that era. But then I looked again at the, the calendar and the dates and I thought it's 45 years since that band got second place at the National Championships. I came away as the highest marked bass drummer that day. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. It was a good year for us at the Midland Championship. We got best turnout and best in our class. We'd got three trophies over the course of that year. But 45 years ago, blimey. It was a good year. We were booked in at Pool Speedway Stadium for the National Championship Finals. We travelled down on a minibus that had been hired for us went down to a scout hut in Christchurch next door to Bournemouth and we stayed for the night there. Spent the evening on the beach wandering around and enjoying the area around Christchurch Pier heading back in towards Bournemouth had an evening meal and slept overnight in this scout hut Next morning, they sounded like there was a plague of hornets in the room. All the young lads there with their electric razors trying to get a shave first thing in the morning. The girls in the band in the, the next rooms doing whatever they had to do in the morning. But it was all aboard the minibus and off we went to the stadium for the day hanging about, waiting to, to perform, going on and performing. It was a hot day, a very hot day.
and us in the middle of the Speedway Stadium feeling very small and insignificant surrounded by all the terracing and the grandstands. We went on, we did our bit and then we got the rest of the day to ourselves until the grand parade at the end where all the bands went in together, did a mass march forward and then were announced who was the winners. It was a great day, thoroughly enjoyed it. Enjoyed watching some of the other bands, see what they could do. Some of the big championship bands that have been around for years were very impressive. 13th Coventry, North Winds, I think, from Bristol. The band from the Isle of Wight, all excellent. Anyway, we, we were there and all the band masters were given a dolphin made by the Paul Pottery. Lovely, bluey, coloured, shiny things. These leaping dolphins. Lovely memento for the bandmasters. And so they went down the different classes and the different things and it got to our particular group, our particular class. And second place was announced as first Oriwa Scout and Guide Band. Well, some of the lads couldn't believe it. I was one of the three players that was over age. I was, I was over 21, but I could still play in the band as a competition, provided we had only three players over that age. It was great. All the hard work had been worth it. We were coming home with a cup. In some ways it was a, it's a bit like when I've been in different plays and different productions on stage. When you get to the last night and it's all over, you feel a bit deflated. Well that's it, we've done. What a shame. And so it was, but on the way home somebody had given us a couple of bottles of champagne. And we pulled in at a, a filling station. The driver wanted to put some fuel in the minibus so the bandmaster and myself got out and we opened these bottles of champagne, jumped back on the bus and started handing out to those who were old enough. Probably gave some to the ones that weren't old enough as well but we were there to enjoy ourselves and celebrate. I think the only time I didn't well, yes, that, that made it all worthwhile. But I think the only time I tried to overcome the feeling of sadness at the end of a production was when Elaine and myself first met. I was playing Pontius Pilate and Elaine was Procula, my wife. And it was to do, centred around the trial of Jesus. And I had to perform the classic thing of I wash my hands of this matter and I wash my hands of this man's blood, I think the expression was. All very deep and very meaningful, all performed over Easter week on one particular year.
and it was a, a moving play. It was well written, well done, and I thought we played it well. And on the final night, the vicar and one or two others had come to see us. And after the performance, we'd all felt a little deflated. That was it, we'd done it. But we looked back straight away and thought, that wasn't bad. Anyway, unbeknownst to me, the vicar was invited backstage after the performance. And I was removing the toga and getting dressed and... I went and sat on a table in the corner of the big room where we were all getting changed. There was petitions for the ladies and different areas for different performers. And I'd gone and sat on the table at the end and a couple of the ladies had come to join me and we were chatting away. And the vicar came in and I, he came over and was talking to us saying how well done, how much he'd thought of the play. Couldn't really say it enjoyed it because it was a a sad thing. It was very poignant. And as he was talking, I was trying to raise the spirits of some of us who were feeling a bit down. It was the end of the production, and he was saying how well we'd done and how well he liked the performance. And I just turned round and, without thinking about it, I said, "Well, I think another night, and I could have got him off." And I thought, "You've just..." spoken to a vicar and teased him about his religion but he took it in good faith fortunately and I do know for a fact as he actually repeated what I had said to somebody else later in the year so it didn't go down too badly after all he thought there was he understood the humour I was trying to generate I'm pleased to say Well, I think that's just about covered everything I can on uh, my immediate thoughts on being told how old I am by different people on the television. Keep repeating how long ago it is since certain things happened. But it has stirred up some very pleasant thoughts, some very, very pleasant memories. Something I look back on with fondness. Wouldn't have missed it for the world. The only thing I regret is the disappearance of the railways, but looking back on what the railways were and how much we enjoyed them, brilliant. How much I enjoyed being in the Scout Band, loved it. Loved it. And how much I enjoyed being on stage. After about 20 years, I was asked to make a comeback last year. We got it all planned as a celebration of 75 years since VE Day. Started rehearsals and I was really thrilled to be part of it. Going to be playing a Captain Mannering type of person. Then along came the Covid and everything was cancelled. Somehow it loses its relevance now. It was all geared around 75 years since the end of the Second World War. That one I don't remember, by the way. So, whether we perform it or not, I don't know. It was a good, good play, and I would like to think we can get back to it.
Fingers crossed we will. Anyway, I'm looking at the clock and thinking I bored you for long enough now. So I'll just say my usual ta for now. And I'll talk to you again soon.